Good morning, Faith Family. Hey, it's good to see you. Fired up this morning? You got an extra hour of sleep? You're ready to go, ready to get to work? All right, you got your Bible? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we are starting a brand new series this morning uh, entitled The Church. It's kind of a big deal, as you've just seen with that intro video. And uh, we're going to be looking over the next few weeks at the importance of the church. And some of you this morning might even kind of right off the bat just say, hey, can't we talk about something that's more practical to my life than the church? Uh, which just all the more proves why we need a series on this, because I would just submit to you right out of the gate, you can't understand the Christian life if you don't understand the significance of the church. You cannot understand your walk with Jesus if you don't understand the church, the body of Christ. And so we're going to take a few weeks and look at the importance of the church, and, and, and I'm pumped up about it. I'm excited about it because I'm excited about Jesus, and if you're excited about Jesus, then his body, his church should excite you. So if you're able to stand, let's read the Word of God together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. By the way, I missed you last week. Group hug. All right, good. All right, we got that out of the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at the Word of God. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him and in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. As you wait, at verse 7, uh, so that you're not lacking any gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day, of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity this morning uh, as a faith family to worship together and to now uh, be instructed uh, from your word. We ask that your spirit would come and teach us. Uh, there are a lot of competing thoughts in our world about the importance of your people. And so help us be clear as to what you have spoken in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It was uh, a Sunday morning in uh, Plain City, Utah, when uh, the police were called because of someone who spotted a reckless driver. Uh, they had identified a white Dodge Intrepid that was swerving across lanes they were running stop signs, doing all this at speeds of like 40 miles per hour, and so people were concerned. They called the cops. The cops were able to find the Dodge Intrepid, and so they followed it for a while and even tried to get it to stop. You know, they turned on the sirens, flashed the lights, pulled up beside the driver's door, but could not get the driver to stop. Now, as some of you have probably seen before, a lot of times the police will show video of the chase, 
And they did so in this case as well. In fact, I want you to take a look here as they're chasing after this white Dodge Intrepid. I want you to notice particularly at the very end and see if you don't see something that's really odd, that's very strange. Uh, the car darts into a driveway, takes the rest on foot, and see here if you notice anything that's particularly strange. The driver was a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> now, his name was Preston Scarborough. Now, listen, I have a, I have a son who's eight he, who thinks he's a NASCAR driver, so that video makes me really, really nervous, all right? Just pray for us, all right? But what makes that, that, that story even more strange is when they ask him why he stole his parents' car. I mean, I mean, you would think it would be for something big, right? I mean, like he's mad at his parents, he wants to run away from home, or, or maybe he just wants to experience the thrill of the open road. But it wasn't any of those. When the police asked him, why did you steal your parents' car? He said, it's Sunday and I don't want to go to church. Now, most of you have never resorted to Grand Theft Auto to avoid coming to church. At least I hope not. But I bet every one of us in this room has struggled with times with its importance. I have. There have been maybe weekends or weeks or seasons in life where you wonder, is going to church, is participating with the body of Christ really all that important? Is it a big deal? And part of what is motivating the conviction that I have for this series, even for people who are showing up for church, is the fact that we live in a culture where we are seeing a crisis. It's a real crisis. Whether or not it's a crisis in your life, and by the way, I would submit that just because you're here doesn't mean that you understand the importance of the church. Amen. But even still, you're living in a culture where we're seeing an erosion of the importance and significance of the body of Christ. Even most recent studies show us that we have gone from about, of American adults, about 50% that are involved in a church to now the numbers are the low 30s. Some studies even show us in the 20s. Uh, USA Gallup poll said of the 140 million people who go to church, 74% are not engaged at all, meaning they show up, but they're not involved in fact, Barna has predicted that possibly by the end of the next decade, 40% of current churchgoers will be pursuing their worship outside of a gathered assembly like we're in this morning. They'll just be content with online or a TV preacher or something like that. It is a real crisis, and I would submit to you that it is a real issue even in your life if you don't feel it or even know it. In fact, everyone I would say in this room falls in one of three categories, and I'm going to illustrate this by showing you a painting from Norman Rockwell that is called Sunday Morning, and it illustrates three different perspectives. The first is, notice in the back the ladies, they're all dressed 
You know, they're in their Sunday best. They're ready. They've got a peaceful look on their face. Man, when it, when it comes to church, they're excited. They can't wait to go. And some of you are the same way. When you think of the word church, you think positive things, you think happy thoughts. You've been encouraged by the church. You've been challenged by the church. You've been helped by the church. You think of it as a good thing. My concern for you is that it's routine. Like I get up in your grill as often as I can to tell you don't let this thing be a going through the motions. Because just because you're here doesn't mean you're here. Amen? Amen. And for those of you who aren't here, you aren't listening. All right? (laughs) So when you think of the church, is there a positive response? Like, do you see its importance? Look back at the picture again. Now, notice dad. Guys, this is not a pick on dads or pick on the guys thing. But in this particular picture, he's totally uninterested. He doesn't see the value in it. It's not relevant to his life. He, he, could, he couldn't care less about the church. And even if there may be some of you here like that, but I guarantee you, you work with people like that. I mean, did you see the man on the street video that we just showed? People who would absolutely dismiss the importance. Maybe it's because you've been burned by the church. You've got scars. Maybe, maybe you think, well, the church, all they do is talk about you know, politics or all they want is your money. Yeah, you've heard that too. But it's a very negative, I don't want anything to do with the church. There's another perspective here. Notice the little boy. Do you see him in the corner? He's, like, he's caught. He looks at mom and the girls and he sees them going and he looks at dad and he sees that he's totally disinterested and couldn't care. And so he's kind of like, I'm not sure about this whole church thing. Like, I'm going, I'm going to be there whether I like it or not, but I'm just not really sure if it's for me. Church is kind of take it or leave it. If I feel up to it, 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 I'm hit, I miss, I'm just kind of on the fence. And, And God, would you work in us this morning to whatever category that we're in, to see the beauty of this. This is a big deal. It's a big deal. I'm going to scream and jump and spit and do whatever I have to do up here to get you to see the passion from the Word of God for the body of Christ. Man, this, this isn't secondary in your life. It's primary. And the apostle, the apostle Paul shows us why. The first thing he does here, show, he shows us here how the church, it's a big deal because it is directly connected with your salvation. It is an expression of your salvation. Let me say it this and then I'll show it to you in the text. You remember the guy in the video that said, I'm born again and I don't need the church? You cannot be in Christ and want nothing to do with the body of Christ. Take a deep breath. Breathe out. Let's back that up with Scripture, verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, that is, those who are genuine believers, those they've seen change in their life because of the grace of God, those who are born again, next phrase, called, that is, this is a calling, 
to be saints together with those in every place who have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul puts together two things. The genuine salvation of a believer, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, and the participation in the body of Christ called to be saints together. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying because some of you might be a little bit uncomfortable here. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that belonging to the church makes you a Christian. I'm saying you belong to the church because you are a Christian. Paul does not, the Bible does not separate salvation from participating with the body of Christ. Those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus are what? Called to be saints together. This is so foreign in the culture in which we live. And here's why the rub. If it feels a little, ooh, that, like, are we sure about that? Here's why. Here's why. It's because when we talk about the church, we typically talk about an organization to which you join rather than a family to which you've been born. Yes, we believe in joining a church and officially belonging in covenant with a fellowship of believers, but but the, the Bible doesn't talk about the body of Christ as an organization that you either join it or don't, don't join it. It's the fact that if you're a Christian, you're born into it. So think of the absurdity of somebody saying, I want to have life, I just don't want a family. I want to be born physically, but I don't want a mom or dad. The response would be, hello, McFly, that's not an option. You can't be born physically without having a family in some way. In the same way, you can't be born spiritually in Christ without being placed into the body of Christ. It's the way it works, folks. You do not get one without the other. The New Testament will not allow you to speak of your relationship with Christ as though it were disconnected from his body. It just won't. Now, this is not just true spiritually and theologically. It even works practically in a human way. So guys, let me, let me ask you to do something for me, would you? After this service this afternoon, I want you to take your wife out, or if you've got a girlfriend, take your girlfriend out, um, and, and just take her somewhere nice, you know, Wendy's, or, or just, you know, <laughs> somewhere sweet and romantic. And I want you to look at her, and I want you to say, honey, I love you single tear. You know, just in that beautiful, I love you. I want a relationship with you. In fact, I want a great relationship with you. The problem is I just can't stand looking at your face. Okay. Or like just being around your body makes me want to jump in 10,000 lakes, but I love you. And then I want you to email me and I want you to tell me how that conversation went. All right. You can wait till you get out of the hospital to send me that email. That'd be fine. That wouldn't work, would it? She wouldn't feel loved. Why? Because she's one. You you don't love her and reject the body. In the same way, it is with Christ. Why? Because the body of Christ and Christ are one. 
regardless of what the culture has taught us, you can't love Jesus and want nothing to do with his people. It just won't work. It just won't work. Now, here's what some would say at this point. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, I'm not totally offended by what you're saying. I'm with you. Uh, the church universal, yes. And if you're not familiar, familiar with that lingo, it's all Christians everywhere. Like, sure, I love the church in terms of I love Christians, and Christians are everywhere, and so that's fine. It's the, the local gathering like this, a local church that I don't want anything to do with. And again, and friends, I'm telling you this sensitively as I can, the problem with that is the Bible. Look at verse 2 again. To the church of God that is in, say it with me, Corinth. That is a local assembly in a geographic area. The Apostle Paul is not talking about this being called to be saints together in terms of the universal church. In fact, how could you do that anyway? The universal church doesn't have an assembly until heaven. So what we're left with now is the universal church is only expressed through local churches who meet together in geographic areas like the church in Corinth. The Apostle Paul doesn't separate the two, and neither does the rest of the Bible. Track with me in terms of this mentality. When Jesus tells you in Matthew chapter 18 that if you have a problem that can't be resolved with another believer, you're to take it to the church, how do you do that to the universal church? Hmm? Or when in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul talks about submitting to your church leaders, how do you do that to the universal church? Or at 1 Peter 5, when we are as shepherds, as pastors, instructed and commanded to shepherd the flock of God, how do I do that to the universal church? No, I'm called to shepherd you, which is a really difficult task. Not because you're difficult, right? I love you. You're awesome. This is a hard task to shepherd the local gathering of believers. In 1 Corinthians 5, when the Apostle Paul has to deal with a church discipline issue where somebody has to be removed from the congregation, how do you do that universally? Do you see what I'm saying? You don't separate the two. The Bible doesn't separate the two. So here's the point. Here's the summary. Hear this. Genuine salvation those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, expresses itself in church participation called to be saints together through the local congregation in Corinth. This is a big, hairy deal. Because if you're dismissive of the calling that Jesus has placed on your life to be saints together, you're dismissive of Him. It doesn't get any more serious than that. The church is an expression of your salvation. Now i got eight more points. I'm just kidding. i just got two more. As to why the church is a big deal, why is this so important? Notice the second thing here is that the church is a big deal because it's the means in which we grow or mature our spiritual growth. Look at verse 4. 
I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were, notice this, enriched in him and in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, by the way, the word you there in the Greek means y'all, because Paul was from the south, thus saith your pastor. Anyways, My point is, he's not talking about you individually. He's talking about you collectively. It was confirmed among you together. You are being enriched in him. And then look at verse 7. And you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. In other words, follow the train of thought Those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, you belong to Jesus, you've been called to be saints together, and as that's been taking place, I thank God that the grace of God has come to you, and it's done some things in your life. You've been enriched, you you see the fruit of, of the use of spiritual gifts, the grace of God is doing a work in you. Why is that? Because the church matters because it's the means through which you grow spiritually. You can't do that with your morning latte devotional and a preacher on TV. It just doesn't work. Jesus wants you to be like Jesus. The way that happens is participating, called to be saints together, in the body of Jesus, where you are growing in the grace of God and it's changing you. R.C. Sproul says it this way, it is both foolish and wicked to suppose that we will make much progress in sanctification, that is, becoming more like Jesus, If we isolate ourselves from the visible church, indeed, it's the commonplace to hear people declare that they don't need to unite with the church to be a Christian. They claim their devotion is personal and private, not institutional and corporate. This is not the testimony of the great saints of history. It is the confession of fools. Now, it plays well in our culture because we're all about me and my private life. But that's not the walk of the Christian life. You, by one spirit, have been placed into one body. And your being saints together has everything to do with your becoming more like Jesus. Now, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, I'd go to church, but the reason that I don't is because the church is full of hypocrites. How many of you have ever heard that? Yeah, you've heard that. Now, when somebody says that to me, I always say, yep, you're exactly right, and there's always room for one more. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't say that. Well, yeah, actually, I do. Uh, no, I don't. I'm just kidding, but seriously. I'm just kidding, but seriously. In my spiritual gift of sarcasm, there is a point to which I mean that. Because the church is messy. And it's messy because it's filled with messed up people like me. I'm an authority on this subject. And the mentality that we're here because we're all squeaky clean is a lie. You're here because you're not squeaky clean. That's why you need to be here. I'm getting to preaching here. 
I'm going to do it. Let's go. You got an extra hour of sleep. I'm going to take it right now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Of course the church is messy. In fact, might I remind you who Paul is writing a letter to? The Corinthians. Not the church of Philippi, not the church at Thessalonica, the group that has drifted from truth into human philosophy, chapter 1. They're divided over sexual immorality, chapter 5. They have lawsuits against one another. They're mocking the Lord's Supper to where some are ill, sick, and have even died. They're misusing their spiritual gifts as a means of pride and superiority to the point that Paul says in chapter 3, I couldn't even address you as spiritual people, but as infants in Christ. How's that for a church? And yet, what does he say to them at the very beginning? I thank God for you and the grace that is at work in you and how you've been enriched in him. Why? Because the church, even at her worst, is a precious thing. The church is full of sinners And that's why he's put us together, because I can't help me alone. And neither can you. The church is where you're forced to deal with that lady who can't sing and doesn't know it. (laughs) Don't point. It's where you got to deal with that 30-year-old guy who still wears his eighth-grade Star Wars t-shirt, and somebody needs to tell him about it. It's where Packer fans and Viking fans have to get along, and you say, only but the power of God, right? It's where, it's where you see that person coming down the hallway, and though you wouldn't want to admit it, you want to dive into a classroom to avoid the conversation. It's where you run up against that kid that you want five seconds, just five seconds to be their parent. You know what I'm talking about. It's probably my kid, all right? It's where you're dealing with that guy who's struggling with alcoholism. It's where you're dealing with that wife who wants out of the marriage. It's where you're dealing with that teenager who's struggling with an identity and searching for hope. The church is made up of flesh and blood, which is why you're going to deal with flesh and blood for the purpose of growing up in Christ. It's a big deal because in being saints together, we are enriched in him in all speech and knowledge. And the testimony of Christ is confirmed among us. And I'm just going to tell you, I love technology, but you won't get that in an online chat room. Even if it is church-sponsored. The church is a big deal because it has everything to do with the expression of your salvation. It doesn't save you, but it's a sign that you're in Christ. It's a big deal because it has everything to do with your maturity and your godliness and your growth. Last one, it's also a big deal because of the endurance of your faith. The endurance of your faith. And by the way, can I just say, just kind of a freebie here, I would submit to you that many people have left churches over issues that had they remained would have made them more like Jesus. 
I'm not saying there's not legitimate reasons to leave a church. That's another sermon for another day. Or let me say it this way. Some of the things that frustrate you about the church are the reasons you need the church. Because you won't address the issue in your life you need to address without it. So, that was free. The church and the endurance of your faith. Notice how Paul ends this section and we'll close. Last part of verse 7. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's be clear on this. It is Jesus who will sustain you to the end. But don't take that out of the flow of the passage. Track with me. If you're sanctified in Christ Jesus, you're called to be saints together. And in that, you're being enriched as messed up Corinthians as you are. You got problems, brother, and we're going to deal with those in the coming chapters. But right now, let me just encourage you that the grace of God has come to you. It has enriched you. We're seeing it at work in you. And it's through these things, what? You are waiting to the end and Christ will be faithful in making sure that you endure. In other words... We have to recognize that the Christian life is not like a flu shot. You make a decision and you're done. The Christian life is a war. It's a battle. It's a fight. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you here, it's a daily, weekly, monthly struggle with sin and unbelief and attacks and attitudes and things that are not godly. And when you isolate yourself from the people of God, it's easy to fall away. It's easy to walk away, but when you're with, when you're saints together, it not only encourages your faith, but it keeps you walking in faith, enduring until the end. That's why, that's why you need the body, because the Christian life isn't meant to be lived alone. Now, the writer of Hebrews, in a verse that we often quote when we think about the church, and rightly so, is writing to a group of Christians that are living outside of Jerusalem in a time where the Old Testament sacrificial system had been established again, and they're being tempted to walk away from the faith and go back to the cultural pressures of the day. And the writer of Hebrews writes to this group of Christians and says something really important. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, he says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then notice the phrase, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you've got all these pressures to give up, to walk away, to throw in the towel. What do you need each other? And there's a group that have said, you know what, that whole assembling together, that whole getting together for edification and stirring one, and up, one another up to love and good works, I don't need that anymore. I don't need that anymore. And what have they done? They've fallen away, as is the habit of some. The church is a big deal because it's the expression of your salvation. 
It's it's how you grow in the faith. It's how you mature. And and it's what you need to keep you enduring to the end that you do. I'm going to get up here and get in your face and spit and stomp and jump every week at you. And you at me. Because we're in this together. You with me? We're in this together. Don't forsake this. Don't minimize this. Don't belittle the body of Jesus that meets here every week. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal in your life. So I ask you this morning as we see this picture one more time, if you are honest, which one of these really represents you? Do you have a passion for the people of God? Do you understand the importance it is in your life? Even if you're here, are you really here? Or are you, maybe you just kind of came, this is your first week, and, and you've been pretty negative about the church. And man, we are so glad you're here. I hope the Word of God has, has encouraged you to see the importance of this. To maybe repent of, of American individualism and see biblical congregationalism of being saints together. And maybe, and here's what I know, and again, as many people as we have come through these doors on a weekend, there are some of you, you're take it or leave it, you're hit or miss. And, and again, we are so glad that you're come, but, but are you one of the 74% who go to church but you're not involved at all? I would, I would just graciously ask you to consider the text this morning that we've been called to be saints Together. Together. Because as imperfect as we are, the body of Christ is the dearest place on earth. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that your word will keep going in our hearts this morning as we meditate on what this means for our life. Um, This was not preached out of legalism. This is preached out of a heart for Jesus who so loves him, they can't help but to love his body. As messed up as we are, as the issues we have, This is the dearest place on earth because, not because of us, but because of who we belong to. So fan in us a passion for your people. For the person who's been here 30 years, would they have a renewal this morning for this fellowship that you've called them into? For those that maybe they're new, God, I don't know all the hearts in this room, but I know you do, and I know and trust that you're working in them right now. There are some who need to make that step of obedience and baptism of identifying with Jesus and his body. There are some who need to make that step of membership to formally belong to this faith family. There are some who... They don't even know about the body of Christ because they don't know Jesus Christ. And this morning, they need to repent of their sin and receive His grace 
in a relationship with him. So God, just do your work. Do your work. To the glory of your name we ask. Amen.